I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you enjoy episodes about psychology and culture, then this one is definitely for you. Today, we're talking about a concept called the looking glass self. But before we do that, I need to tell you about a term called socialization. Now, socialization is the process through which individuals internalize the norms, values, behaviors, and social skills deemed appropriate and necessary by their culture and society. It's an essential mechanism by which societal continuity is ensured as each generation imparts its collective wisdom and standards to the next. This lifelong process is facilitated through various agents of socialization, including families, schools, peer groups, media, religious institutions, and workplaces. Now, through these interactions, individuals not only learn their societal roles, but also form their personal identities, beliefs, and values in relation to the broader cultural context. Socialization thus plays a pivotal role in the harmonious functioning of society, guiding individuals to understand their roles and responsibilities, ensuring they contribute constructively and coexist harmoniously with others. Now, in plain English, just in case all that wasn't clear, socialization is the process through which we learn the knowledge, values, and socially acceptable behaviors required to participate effectively in our communities, whether it be at home with our families, in school with our classmates and teachers, and eventually at work with coworkers and bosses. Socialization heavily influences how we see the world, how we relate to other people, and even how we perceive ourselves inform our identities. So in its essence, socialization is an absolutely crucial part of us becoming healthy, functioning members of society. It's through that process we learn how to be people, right? How to deal with other people, how to manage our emotions, how to communicate, how to make friends, how to get jobs, all that shit. We learn all that and all the behaviors necessary to achieve those goals through the process of socialization. And there are real dangers 
of not being socialized properly, which is actually quite common. A lot of us, we're not socialized properly, you know? And a child who hasn't been socialized properly faces a lot of different risks, right? For example, communication. You might have real difficulties communicating with other people or expressing yourself or understanding other people if you weren't socialized properly, if you never learned how to play that game. You see what I'm saying? It can lead to poor social skills. You might not learn how to make friends, maintain friendships, read the social cues and understand common social behaviors in your environment or your community, like the nonverbal side of communication, those unspoken things that we kind of just understand as a group. If you never socialize properly, you might miss out on all that stuff. And you might just be walking around confused or constantly finding yourself in unnecessary misunderstandings because you were never taught the social game, the rules of the social game, right? You never learn how to cooperate with other people. And these two things can kind of lead to behavioral problems. Because if you don't know how to communicate with people, if you don't know how to make friends, if you don't know how to successfully engage in the game that is society, for lack of a better way of saying it, you might walk around frustrated and angry because you don't have friends, you can't express yourself properly, you don't understand other people, which probably means you don't like other people very much, you're kind of lonely and isolated and withdrawn from society or the kids at school or even people in your own house. And, you know, all that uh, frustration can turn into anger. Then you have this overly aggressive behavior. You don't know how to process or handle your emotions. I mean, there's just I'm not a psychologist, but I know that there are risks of difficulties with communication, being social. Uh, and behaving, let's call it properly, in social situations if you're not socialized correctly. You can also struggle in school for the same reason, right? Because, I mean, even in school, you're working with other students, you're working in groups, you're trying to make friends, you're trying to get girls or guys or whatever, you're trying to date, I mean, and um, you can just have not, you can have a really challenging experience, and especially in school, because kids are fucking brutal, man. Kids are fucking brutal. They have no filter. They're so cruel to each other, you know? I say they like I wasn't a kid once, but you know what I mean. Kids are just fucking ruthless, dog. So, you know, in that time, it's, it's, if, if you're not educated on how to play the game and you're one of those awkward kind of quiet kids that's a little withdrawn and doesn't know how to interact with the others or play nice with the others, you know, they'll just naturally exclude you and talk shit about you and make fun of you and all this type of stuff. Not everyone, obviously. But it happens. So school can be a real struggle because that's where we spend most of our time as kids. At least in the U.S., it was, what was it, like eight in the morning to three in the afternoon? Seven fucking hours, bro. Seven hours a day, a third of your day, Monday to Friday. You're at school, you know? So um, not knowing how to play the game of what would I call it? Um, not knowing how to do the dance that is social interaction can cause a lot of problems for you during your some of your most vital years. I mean, that's when we're doing most of our development as well. If I'm not mistaken, it's like what? Uh, ages four to seven is the stage where I, I'm not even going to try to get into that because I don't know what I'm talking about. I just remember 
reading somewhere that I believe it's like ages four to seven, a large part of what develops in terms of you as a person is going to determine who you become throughout your life. And then everything that happens after that, let's call it seven to 18. I mean, this is where we really start to form our worldview and solidify what kind of person we're going to be. And then 18 to fucking 30, you know, you take the training wheels off and you really get out there and see what you're really made of, who you really are. I'm generalizing, obviously. What I'm trying to say is these are crucial years. And if you weren't socialized properly as a child, it's just, I mean, you're, you're setting yourself up for difficulties for the rest of your life, let alone, I mean, or how can I say this? For the rest of your life, but certainly during your school years, your academic years, which can lead to low self-esteem. It can lead to you being more vulnerable and easy target for more malicious people who uh, want to take advantage of those who are weaker and less experienced. You have difficulty adapting to new situations, to new people, to new jobs, to new classes, to new everything, you know? Um, and you're also at risk of serious like mental health issues, right? Because think about it, all that social, that social isolation, that lack of contact with other people, no friends, no girlfriend, maybe you're not even from a, a tight-knit family that can support you. You don't know how to express yourself. You don't understand other people. You're just always alone, confused and frustrated. You know? Like I, that, I mean, that just sets you up for social anxiety, which a lot of us deal with, maybe even depression and other shit like that. Um, and you can also, I, I find you can also, sometimes if you're not socialized properly, you don't really know how to be empathetic towards other people because you don't understand them their experience and what it's like to be them is so foreign to you because all you know is this isolated state of being that you've been in your whole life, you know? So it can be hard to understand or share the feelings of other people if you haven't practiced that skill through social interaction, you know? And these are just a few of the risks. I'm sure there's many more, but um, there are some real dangers to not being socialized properly because it's really the foundation Socialization is the foundation of learning to be a productive member of society, like I said a few minutes ago, you know? But you might be sitting there thinking, like, what are we, 10 minutes into the episode? Like, what the fuck is the point of all this, Tone? Why are you telling me this? How does this have anything to do with the looking glass self? So let's get into that. In the year 1902, the sociologist, that word, I don't know why that word is so hard for me to say, sociologist. In 1902, the sociologist Charles Horton Cooley coined the term looking glass self or invented the term looking glass self to describe the idea that our self-concept and self-worth are heavily influenced by how we perceive others to perceive us. A more simple way of saying that is that the term looking glass self is used to describe the idea that our self-image and our idea of how valuable we are as people, our self-worth, those things are heavily influenced by how we think other people think about us. By how we think other people see us and judge us and interpret our words and our actions and stuff like that. Part of the way we see ourselves is influenced by the way we think other people see us. So this concept, the looking glass self, can be broken down into three main components. The first one, the imagination of appearance. Now, this refers to how we imagine we appear to others in a given situation. For example, you might believe you appear confident 
during a public speech. Or you might feel or believe that you appear anxious during a job interview. Even if that's not the case, you just think that's how you appear to other people. Then after that, step two or phase two is the imagination of judgment. And this involves how we think others are judging the appearance that we project. For example, you might believe others think that you're well-spoken. Or alternatively, that people think you're incoherent and unclear. Right? So first comes the way you think you appear. Next comes the way you think people are judging that appearance. And finally, stage three is the emotional response. Now, this pertains to the feelings that arise due to our perceptions of others' judgments. For example, if we believe others perceive us as competent people, we might feel pride, right? We feel good about ourselves. But if they think that we see us, no, I mixed that up. If we think, if we think that they see us as inadequate, we might feel embarrassed or ashamed of ourselves. So again, in plain English, it happens in three stages or it's broken down into three components. First, you imagine how you appear to others. Second, you imagine how they're judging you based on that appearance. And third, you feel a particular emotional response based on that imagined judgment. So this concept of the looking glass self suggests that our perception of self is not solely a product of inherent personality traits and behaviors, but also a reflection of how we believe society sees us, right? So how is this relevant to you? Well, first of all, it's relevant to you because you're a human being. And this is something that affects all of us. Again, we're all, at least in theory, socialized from a very young age, arguably from the day we're born and, and start interacting with other people. I don't know when it actually starts, but all of us are expected to be socialized. It's like this natural process that happens when you live in a society. At least that's my understanding. But you, the English learner, that's also something that's hard. It's English learner. It's like that SH. English, and then the L after that, English learner. Always had trouble saying those two words. Anyway, you, the learner of English, how you like that? This is relevant to you because a lot of people learning English are so painfully obsessed with how they may be perceived by other people. Natives and non-natives are so worried about how they're coming across when they speak English. They're so worried about how they're being judged and criticized and talked about when they're speaking English. And I think this, although it's normal, it's a normal thing. I'm sure many of us as language learners, I know I did for sure. Um, I went through that for sure, being kind of nervous and, and insecure about how other people would receive my words or how I'm sounding to other people, what they might think about the way I'm expressing myself with the words I'm choosing and how confident I appear when I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it properly in this language. So it comes out kind of fucking broken. And then I hear it broken. And then I'm feeling like, fuck, this isn't making sense. And I'm looking at their face and I can tell by the look on their face, they kind of get it, but they kind of don't. Or like they get it, but they wish I wouldn't have said it in such a fucking broken way. But it's all in my head. It's all in my head. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. I don't know what they feel. You know, no matter how good I may think I am at reading people. I don't know what's in somebody else's head or in their heart, not just by looking at them, you know? This ain't a fucking movie. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. And I just know for a fact so many other people learning English and many other languages suffer with that same challenge or they're dealing with that same challenge. You know what I mean? So when we talk about like, 
proficiency in a language, for example, or your ability to express yourself coherently and understand the majority of other people you come into contact with, there's a difference between perceived proficiency and actual proficiency. Because the way you believe other people perceive your skills will almost certainly affect your confidence and your motivation to continue speaking. You know what I'm saying? If you think you're seen as a poor English speaker, you might be hesitant to participate in a conversation, right? To practice your English with different people in real life, which is what you need to do. But you might be afraid, even if your skills are actually good, you just think that other people perceive you to be a poor English speaker. You think that they think your English is fucking trash, even though it's not necessarily the truth, right? And so hopefully now you can see, this is just one example of um, the looking glass self. The way you're thinking about yourself is based on what you think other people are thinking of you. And it's the same thing, I mean, even if we go more specific, if we're talking about like group classes or group conversations, it's very common for students to compare themselves. I mean, that's human nature. It's human nature. You do it without even thinking about it. You start comparing yourself to people around you. Your brain, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard in many psychology-related videos and, and articles that I've read that your brain is constantly measuring itself against the other people around you to see where do you stand? What's your status? Where are you in the hierarchy? I don't know if that's true, but I've heard it multiple times. But anyway, definitely when learning language, students will compare themselves to other students in the class, right? And they start thinking in terms of the best and the worst, right? He has the best English. She has fantastic English. Mine is terrible. I'm the worst student in this class. Everybody else is so much more advanced than me. I don't even belong here. I'm not supposed to be here. I can't talk like these people, right? I'm sure some of y'all listening identify with that. It's a very, very common thing. And also the way you think your teacher perceives your English level, right? This is something as a teacher, you kind of have to be cognizant of. You have to be aware of how your feedback is going to be affecting the student, you know? And any feedback that you receive is undoubtedly going to affect your looking glass self. The feedback that you get from other people influences the way that you think about yourself is another way of saying it. And I, I would just say that the solution, a potential solution to this problem, for lack of a better word, is to just stop worrying so much about feedback from other people. This is, and it sounds easy, you know, it's easy for me to say that. It's even easier for me to say it now because I'm actively in the process and I know that's what needs, but I'm speaking for myself. I don't know how your brain works or what exactly needs to be done for you to get on the same page. But what I would recommend is that you just stop worrying so much about feedback, positive or negative, bro. Because a lot of times if you're talking to a native or a group of natives, even if your level isn't that high, you're still at the beginner stage and you're not excuse me, you're not expressing your ideas very clearly. Your vocabulary isn't so extensive. Your grammar needs a little bit of work. There are a lot of natives who just want to be nice and polite and they don't want to hurt your feelings. They, you know, they don't want to tell you that these things need work. So they'll just say, oh my God, your English is so good. Your English is so, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's wonderful. Even if that's not true, they'll tell you that. And then when you hear, oh, it's a native, saying my shit is good. It must be good. Now I can feel good about myself. Now I can feel good about my English. 
when that shouldn't be the case. You know, also non-natives. And I'm generalizing here, but sometimes it's non-natives that talk more shit than natives do. You know what I'm saying? Your, your English doesn't sound natural to me. No, your grammar's not perfect. I've heard people who speak better English than you. No, you're good, but it's not that good. No, your, your pronunciation is off. All right, little hating ass bitches. You know what I'm saying? And so you might take those comments and start to feel worse about yourself. You know? Which should not be the case. And like I said a minute ago, teachers, unfortunately, some of them will often sugarcoat their feedback out of fear of demotivating you. And when I say sugarcoat, I mean basically, um, and I put this in simple words, to sugarcoat something basically means to take a negative comment or, um, yeah, something negative you're going to say, but find the words and the tone to express it so that it's not so negative and it doesn't hurt the other person's feelings so much that it doesn't come across as rude or aggressive. So instead of saying your English is fucking trash and needs work, they might say something like, well, you know, we made some progress. You're doing all right. You know, we just need a little, a little bit of work over here and a little bit of work over there. And, uh, you know, we'll get it together. That, like the, and that's not a great example that I just gave you. But hopefully you get the idea. Instead of telling you directly it's not that good and it needs work and this is how we're going to improve these things. Some teachers might just tell you that you're doing great because they, wanna, they want you to stay motivated. Because they know that a lot of people learning English can easily get demotivated if somebody tells them, listen, you know, you still got a lot of work to do. That's not a bad thing. I don't know when that became a bad thing that you have more to learn. How the fuck is that negative? You know what I'm saying? That is a good thing. You're not where you started and you're not where you want to be. And you're just fucking moving along the path. All right. You're not there yet. So fucking what? Get back to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know, man. The reality, this, this is what I'm trying to say. The reality is you can easily gauge your level. You can easily measure or determine your level by interacting with real people. The simple question is, can you understand most people or not? Can you express yourself clearly or not? If the answer to one or both of those questions is no, then you know you've got work to do. So just keep working. You don't need to go around looking for positive feedback to make yourself feel better because that will only make the negative feedback hurt even more. You see what I'm saying? When you put too much value on the positive feedback to get your sense of self-worth, what happens when you inevitably get the negative? It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. So you need to be right there in the middle. Right there in the fucking middle. Whether it's positive or negative feedback, it should not affect how you think or feel about yourself or your English level. Now, I'm not saying all feedback is invalid. I'm just saying when it comes to compliments or criticisms, don't take that shit too seriously, bro. You need constructive feedback. This is what's not. This is what's working well. This is what's not working well. This is how we fix what's not working well. All right. Let's move on. That's it. That's it. That's just the way I see it. That's the way I see it. You know? So somebody says your English, oh my, oh my God, your English is so good. You just say thank you very much and you just move on, right? Don't let that compliment go to your fucking head like you're hot shit, you know? Because you still got a lot to learn. And if someone says your English is fucking terrible, you can say, okay, and fucking move on, right? Don't let that weak criticism go to your head either positive or negative don't let that shit go to your head bro when you are truly dedicated 
and you truly understand that the only way to get better, better, Jesus, the only way to get better, let me say that whole thing again. When you are truly dedicated, when you are truly dedicated and you truly understand that the only way to get better is by studying and practicing. Did that sound good? Um, <laughs> when you're truly dedicated and you, you truly understand that the only way to get better is by studying and practicing, it doesn't matter what anyone has to say about you or your level at the moment. Because your level at this very moment isn't important. What's really important is your overall progress, right? And you can't make progress if you're wasting time worried about how others perceive your English level. So stop looking for compliments, stop running from criticisms, and just practice your English every day. That's the only way to get better anyway, right? You've heard me say this before. This is your first time listening to the podcast. Welcome to the Real English Radio family. I am your host, Tony Kaiser. But that's, that's the message I'm pushing, man. From the start to the fucking finish. Stop looking for compliments and running from criticisms and just practice every day because that is the only way to improve. You only learn by doing. You only learn by taking theory and putting that shit into practice, making a few mistakes, getting some feedback, correcting those mistakes, trying again, making new mistakes, learning new lessons. And it's just like this endless fucking cycle the sim the universal symbol for learning should be the infinity symbol right it's going back and forth then back and forth then back and forth for all eternity that's the mindset you got to have when learning something now i understand some people are learning english for a very specific purpose i have to get this job by this particular time so i can support myself possibly my family so i can do this so i can do that i get it you got some time pressure on you i get it that does not change what I said. The only way to get better is by practicing. So while you're wasting time worried about what other people think, you're not practicing. What you're practicing is the habit of obsessing over shit that you can't control. In other words, other people's opinions and perceptions of you. You can't control that shit. So that's all you're practicing. When you waste time doing that shit, when you could be having a nice conversation, a nice cup of tea. And a fag. Do, do British people actually call cigarettes fags? I've read that so many times online, but I've never heard a British person use the word fag. In America, the word fag is like a pejorative term for a gay man. Um, unless you're talking with your, like guys call each other fag all the time. The same way guys call each other pussy or bitch. You know, it's very strong language for somebody you don't know, but with friends, you know, talk all kinds of shit. But anyway, let's let's <laughs> let's stay on topic here, right? We talked about um, you know, the looking glass self in relation to somebody like you learning English, right? The difference between perceived proficiency and actual proficiency. Some of the challenges when you're in group settings and comparing yourself to other people, you know, the importance that students put on their teacher's opinion of them and, and the importance that students put on feedback and compliments and reinforcement. I'm not saying all that shit's invalid, I'm just saying you need to be aware of how it affects the way you see and think about yourself. That is the point. That is the point. Now, moving on to something else that is all too common and absolutely necessary, no matter what you're learning, and that's mistakes. Mistakes and embarrassment, right? Because the fear of making mistakes and how those mistakes might be perceived by other people can really make a big difference in your willingness to speak to other people, right? If you're 
constantly afraid of being seen making mistakes, if you're constantly afraid of saying the wrong thing, saying something that doesn't make sense, saying something that doesn't sound natural, not being able to understand every word of every sentence of every conversation, you may never engage in conversation. Especially if you come from a culture where that kind of thing, like not being perfect is expected. (laughs) Or no, I said that wrong. Where not being perfect is unacceptable and perfection is expected. If you come from that kind of culture or that kind of family, the idea of publicly making a mistake is just unfathomable. You cannot imagine doing some shit like that. It would be mortifying. It would just be the end of your life if you said, I don't fucking know, uh, the dog brown walks instead of the brown dog walks, right? Maybe where you come from, they'd be ready to fucking crucify you for some shit like that. Get your English together, you piece of shit. You know, maybe you come from a place like that. I don't know. I don't know. But what I would say is sometimes culture can be a form of mental prison. Meaning you think because I was raised in this particular place and this is how this particular group of people does things, that's how I have to do things in order to be acceptable. That's what you learn when you go through the process of socialization. I told you that shit was related from the beginning. You see what I did? Right? That's what you learn. These are acceptable behaviors. These are non-acceptable behaviors. If you engage in the non-acceptable behaviors, there will be some fucking consequences, nigga. Right? But you have to liberate yourself from that shit. You have to. Very rarely do I tell you what you have to do. Very, very, very rarely. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to make real progress and have fun learning English or any language or any skill, bro, you have to liberate yourself from the idea that you are expected to be perfect because you're not. You're not. The only people that expect you to be perfect are people that don't matter. And I'm t- yes, even if it's your fucking parents, even if it's your best friend, even if it's your cousin or your girlfriend or your boss. They don't fucking matter, bro, because nobody's perfect. How is, how is an imperfect human being going to expect you to be perfect? Get the fuck out of here, bro. What are we doing? What are we talking about here? Right? So sometimes you have to liberate yourself from those cultural expectations and also liberate yourself from yourself, you know, because sometimes you, a lot of times you are your worst fucking critic. And this kind of, this ties in directly because sometimes you start to criticize yourself in the same way that your parents criticized you your whole life. And you aren't even aware of that. Or you start to criticize yourself the same way the kids at your school used to talk shit about you. Now you think of yourself like that. This is the importance of understanding the concept of the looking glass self and the effect it has on you. Because you might not even realize that critical, that overly critical voice holding you hostage, tormenting you, criticizing you, talking shit, right? You may not even realize that shit was put inside of you. That shit didn't just pop up out of nowhere. It didn't just pop up out of nowhere. I don't think human beings grow up like hating themselves criticizing themselves. In fact, it's quite the opposite. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's through experience that you learn to dislike or even hate yourself. That's what I believe. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I believe. And so um, sometimes you have to liberate yourself from your own vision of yourself and create an entirely new vision. I know that sounds lofty and fucking cliche and like some self-help bullshit, but you should know me by now, bro. I'm not going to give you none of that shit. I'm saying it because I'm just speaking from experience. 
So anyway, moving on to something more practical, what I would say a a potential solution to this, the the, um, intense fear of making mistakes, the intense fear of being embarrassed for not being perfect the first time you try something or the 10th time you try something or the 100th time you try something or your cultural expectations to be perfect and, and never appear like you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck all that, bro. Fuck all that. A potential solution to that is simply finding someone who will correct your mistakes empathetically. Somebody who will show you the patience and the understanding and take the time to walk you through things you don't understand, correct your mistakes, and help you improve. So you have to find someone or some people who can correct your mistakes. And then once you find that person or that group, make as many mistakes as humanly possible. I mean that shit as many as possible, because that's the only way you're going to learn the correct way to say something is if somebody teaches you. And I don't know what you don't know how to say until you start talking. That's the only way I'm going to figure it out. I cannot determine what you know how to say based on a written test, right? Like in a traditional school, what do they do? They give you a piece of paper with a list of questions, choose A, B, C, or D, or fill in the blank or some shit like that. You can remember individual words. You can remember basic rules. You can remember information that you have memorized. doesn't mean you know it. doesn't mean that you can actually use it, right? So that's why I said a couple minutes ago, the real test, if you really want to know, how's my English? Just go talk to some English speakers, bro. You will find out very quickly, very fucking quickly, how you're doing on the conversational scale. You feel me? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You cannot escape the fact that you can only learn by making mistakes. It's the only time true learning takes place, bro. And the more you practice make mistakes and have those mistakes corrected, the more confidence you will have. And I don't mean you'll have more confidence in your English level. I mean that you'll have more confidence to express yourself even if it doesn't sound 100% natural. You'll have more confidence to ask questions, right? You'll have more confidence to engage in conversations knowing that you are going to make mistakes. And it's not a big deal, bro. I promise you it's not a big deal. So apart from the challenging technical aspects of English, what holds most people back is the fear of being seen trying. And we talked about that in episode number 21, right? I am not afraid to be seen trying. If you haven't heard that episode already, highly recommend you go check it out. 
I am not afraid to be seen trying. You need to repeat this mantra a hundred times a day if necessary. I am not afraid to be seen trying. Say it with me. Say it with me. I am not afraid to be seen trying. I am not afraid to be seen trying. I am not afraid to be seen trying. Because the ones who are not afraid to be seen trying, making mistakes, and expanding their zone of comfort are the ones who actually make progress. So as long as you're worried about the judgment and criticism of others, you are always going to be struggling unnecessarily to achieve your goal. Now let's talk about social opportunities. We've talked a little bit about social judgment. Um, but let's talk about the opportunities in society, the opportunities to integrate into new communities. Excuse me. Because for many people learning English, the, the ability to communicate effectively in the language means better job opportunities or more opportunities to integrate. Maybe you live in an English-speaking country. A lot of people listening to this live in the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia, South Africa. And maybe they're learning English, but they're not at a point where they feel they have the linguistic abilities to try and make friends or join a, a meetup group or find a partner or something like that. Maybe they just don't have the confidence yet. So it's not just about money and, and job opportunities, but like making friends, forming relationships. That's what language is for in the first place. Right. To communicate with other people. So um, you might always feel like an outsider or even a fucking alien if you move to an English speaking country without being able to speak English. It's extremely hard to make friends or find a partner or integrate into a community if you can't speak their language. And the simple solution to this is taking your education more seriously. Investing in classes. Watching YouTube lessons or downloading language exchange apps. Joining communities where you will have to interact with other people. And again, I know that's easy to say. Again, I know you might be introverted like me, but take it from a fellow introvert. It is the solution. I know people fucking suck sometimes, but they're also really fucking cool sometimes, man. So you just have to develop your social and communication skills to learn how to deal with all these different people. All right. To learn how to identify the ones that you need to stay the fuck away from and the ones that you need to move towards. Right? But that's another subject. I'm just saying that there's huge opportunities to be taken advantage of just by learning to speak English proficiently, both professional and personal, you know? And another interesting thing to think about is like your, your identity. Because again, we're talking about the looking glass self and how a lot of times we form our sense of self and our identities based on how we think other people perceive us. And I'm very, I'm very curious to know like what it's like for y'all. Has learning English or any other language changed the way you see yourself? Has it changed your identity in some way? You know, some people say that they actually feel they have different personalities when speaking different languages which is very interesting to think about like do you think your personality changes when you speak english it's very interesting to think about i i've heard this theory for many i guess since i started learning languages and after learning a couple of languages i would say i don't necessarily think i have a different personality when i'm speaking different languages it feels more like 
I have been able to develop more of my personality by learning more languages. I'm still me. It's just different ways of expressing the same person. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way I feel about it at this point. And what's also interesting to think about is it's very difficult to know how you're being perceived by native speakers of a foreign language because their language may never sound the way it sounds to you. Right? Like you know how to use the words, you understand people when they speak, but the words don't have the same emotional weight as they do for natives. And this is just another reason that studying the culture is just as important as studying the language. Because I find that the more time you spend immersed in a particular culture, the more you start to understand all of the nonverbal aspects of their communication and their behavior, you know? And this is true for our first language, right? This, I mean, socialization, again. That's what it is. You're learning by observation, by taking theory and putting it into practice. You're learning how to interact with other people, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. How do we say this? How do we say that? What other ways can we say this and that? You learn all that through the process of socialization. And I think it's the same when you're learning a foreign language, which is why that is, to me, the most effective method is trying to learn a foreign language the same fucking way. You learned your first language. The difference is now you're an adult. If you're listening to this, you're an adult. You have a huge advantage that really doesn't get talked about. A lot of people love to say the young people learn so much faster, so much more easily. It's not because they're young and their brains are more fresh and they work better. They don't have half the experience you have. It's just because they're open-minded and curious. You know, they're enthusiastic. Kids love learning new shit. And somewhere along the line, you know, public education in many countries kind of fucking beats all the fucking curiosity and creativity out of you by forcing you to memorize a bunch of shit you're never going to need to know. You're just like, man, fuck this shit. Fuck education. Fuck learning. Fuck school. You know? But as an adult, okay, it might be a little bit harder for you to remember things as quickly or easily as a kid might. But you have years of experience, so you know how to think, hopefully, you know how to think rationally. You know how to make different associations in your brain. You already have one language as a foundation, and then you can start to use that to learn other languages. Um, So I think as an adult, you have a huge advantage, you know? Um, And I might dive deeper into that in a uh, a different episode. I just got finished reading a book called Our Global... Lingua Franca by Gregory Deal, Dial. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to have him on the podcast pretty soon, by the way. And his book is basically talking about the importance of learning English as a foreign language, um, the reason it should be the global language, the universal language, and also the major flaws in the broken education system that exists today. The major flaws in the methodology of teaching English in a classroom in most places around the world, you know? So maybe um, we'll dive deeper into that when he's on the podcast and, um, and we'll go from there. Because I don't know if I really articulated myself well in terms of making it clear how you have a, a huge advantage as an adult learning languages. It's not a disadvantage. If you're 40, 50, 60, 70 listening to this, being what you think of as old is not a disadvantage, bro. You can use all your life experience to learn language in a much more practical and interesting way. You just have to learn the way. 
And that's what I'm here for, my friend. I'm going to show you the way. Episode by episode, video by video. I'm going to show you the way. <laughs> I'm going to show you the way, my friend. I'm going to show you the way. But that's it for now, my friend. Hopefully you have enjoyed yet another episode of Real English Radio about the looking glass self. And hopefully it's giving you a, a better perspective on yourself and how your environment and the people in it and the things they say and do affect your view of yourself. You know, it's a very interesting concept to think about. I'd love to know what y'all think about this topic. I'd love to know some of y'all experience um, in relation to this topic. So if you're subscribed on Patreon, thank you for the support as always. But hit me up on Discord, start a thread, do whatever you got to do. Let's talk about this, man, because again, it affects all of us, whether you're learning languages or not. But you are learning languages. This is Real English Radio. I am your host, Tony Kaizen. And that's it for now, so I'm going to talk to y'all soon. Peace. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.